0: This episode of Shifting the Narrative on Everything Autism is brought to you by us. Because we are now Shameless Shills. Anyway, Stacy, tell us about this new product you're offering. I promise this isn't actually a joke, guys. This is an actual service that we hope will help people that is completely legitimate. I'm not making a joke. So I'm just going to shut up and let Stacy talk.
1: And I will say it's... Um... It was an idea that I had based on conversations with families and so far it's so good. I typically do parent coaching and lately I've been doing coaching for either college age autistic individuals or newly diagnosed autistic moms. I am now doing ADHD coaching. So it's really about helping teens and young adults, uh, specifically uh, teens and young adults like getting ready for adulthood, right? Or maybe trying to reach some new goals in high school and they're just wanting to be more independent but frustrated with the interference of uh, ADHD, the executive functioning not working all the time efficiently. It is designed to help the individual understand their ADHD because everyone experiences ADHD differently and also to help them understand their strengths and what works really well for them and how we can use those strengths to compensate for the challenges, right? So if your executive functioning is glitchy and there are certain things that you're not able to complete, start, finish, and it's interfering, like you're maybe not turning your um, assignments in on time or you're not getting to work on time, we work on strategies uh, to help with that. Uh, so I'm excited about this being available. The, the reason I actually thought of it is because the young adults that are coming to me, Torrin, they they never got an opportunity to learn this. So they're coming to me because they've crashed, they failed the semester, they've had a mental health crisis. If they would have been able to learn the things they're learning now when they were teens or before they went to college or when they first started college, then we may have been able to avoid some of the disasters and the chaos that has occurred. We have a lot of new listeners.
0: Can you tell us like who you are? What are your credentials?
1: You know, it's really funny because some of my older clients don't know a lot about my career. But what I will say is my background is in speech therapy. That's how I started my career. And then I sort of transitioned into um, an obsession with uh, autism and trying to understand it. This was like 20 plus years ago before Google, before Amazon, before social media, of course and that has just been my thing since. So I have gotten certifications around sensory integration therapy. I have gone back and gotten another master's in child development uh, as I guess it's a psychology master's. So I have educated myself, but I've also done a lot of experience to be able to learn. And of course I have sat at the table with, collaborated and learned with, many, many neurodivergent individuals from ADHD, autism, dyslexia, and all the other things that are sort of umbrella under that.
0: What are some of the strategies you use to help these teens and young adults achieve their goal?
1: One of the things that I think I really have to, to, in terms of a strategy, is something probably most folks don't think of as strategy, but it's trying to help the teen and the young adult figure out what they want their day to look like. Do you like it chaotic? I met for the first time with a 19-year-old, this is second semester in college, and I asked him what he wanted to work on, and he said organization, and I said, okay, So we started talking about some things. And so then I asked some questions. And, you know, he was turning his assignments in. He wasn't looking for his phone all the time. He wasn't losing things. So I said, Well, what about the organization? And he said, Well, and he turns the camera and he says, Look at my room. I said, You're in college. It's your dorm room. You can do whatever you want with your room. Is it bothering you that your clothes are on the floor? No. I said, Do you know where your items are if you need them? He said, Yes. I said, Then that's not a problem. You know, the reality of it was that he didn't need to use his energy on keeping his room organized, that organized chaos worked for him.
0: I like it a lot. I think you're going to help a lot of people, but thanks a lot, Stacy. and now back to the episode.
2: I think that there are really different ways to enjoy sports. With the autism diagnosis, they just stop dreaming about it uh, as opposed to really think about how can I share my passion with my autistic son or daughter. So there are definitely different ways that you can cultivate and really develop the skills, you know, whatever that may be.
0: And we are live back with another episode of Shifting the Narrative on Everything Autism. I'm Torrin Kearns. And as usual, I'm joined by the Autism Sage Yourself Mama Baden. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Excited about today and our guest.
2: And thank you for having me. My name is Macy Satantio, and I'm so happy to be here again second time around to chat with both of you. Um, I'm the founder of a nonprofit here in San Francisco Bay Area, Autism Core Pathways, and I've been working with autistic people for over three decades for a while. And also, uh, personally, I am proudly autistic with ADHD and some other stuff that is part of the autism package. We don't have to describe everything; it will take forever. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Your diagnostic criteria looks like one of those CVS receipts. Uh, yes. Oh, yes.
2: P- piles, <laughs> piles, because it's just, we just, um, I call myself really an antique, that is. Like, I just, you just have to handle with care because I could easily, you know, just crash and burn. <laughs> um,
0: no, yeah. I, I some, sometimes I feel the exact same way. I have to be like... yeah so perfect in how i set everything up otherwise like i just can't function yeah it it, it can suck sometimes um yeah yeah but we've had you on before but i want to have you back Mm -hmm. on because Mm -hmm. you mentioned the first episode and we obviously we talk offline stuff like how big Mm -hmm. of a sports fan you are and Mm -hmm. how big of a role like sports play in your life and it's something that in the first episode we really couldn't get to because that wasn't the topic. But right. it's something I've always wanted to have you back on because as a huge right. sports fan, like as a huge nerd yeah. of like sports, I wanted to really have a discussion about that and how you became a sports fan and how that like affected your life and how sports and athletics and things like that can mm-hmm. help autistic kids because I believe it can in yeah. certain to a certain extents, so I've wanted to mm-hmm. talk about this stuff for a while, so I'm really happy I get to. Okay, what got you into? You mentioned you're a huge like San Francisco 49ers fan. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a stereotype that like autistic people don't like sports. I, I kind of don't mm-hmm. know where it comes from, if I'm gonna be honest. I'm, I'm if I had mm-hmm. to spitball, I would guess it probably comes from the idea that like it, it's a social event, it's stuff mm-hmm. a lot like everyone watches gathers around TV on Sunday and watches mm-hmm. football. And they think okay since autistic people aren't social they don't like that but it's mostly a stereotype but what what got you into being a 49ers fan
2: well you know before i was a 49ers fan or a golden state warriors fan i became i was introduced to sports events and sports watching on tv as a little girl uh through my dad when i was living i was born and raised in indonesia so the indonesians love soccer and badminton um ping pong <laughs> my dad used to play ping pong and so i think it was his way to really connect with me and have something to do together because when i was a little girl i was really quiet i was one of those toddlers that you put me in a playpen with objects and I would just sit there for hours to stack them and rearrange them. So every kid in my family was uh, uh, delayed in um, speech and communication, pretty much all of them. And I was like that too. I was very quiet. I was the good girl. And uh, I think my dad uh, maybe found it difficult to talk to me and I would but I would sit down and watch uh tv and I grew up watching Muhammad Ali and all the big names uh badminton you know we had some famous players back then Indonesia was really good we're, we're still pretty good I think uh so that's how I got started and when I uh moved to America and eventually moved to the Bay Area um I found 49ers and Dubs, the Warriors. So then I just pretty much uh, really, I love these two teams. You know, um, uh, funny story. I actually got my, um, I, when I was interviewed by the um, officials to become, to apply and become an American citizen, I went to this interview and I I was wearing my 49ers uh, t-shirt and then the officer saw that and we started talking about football, 49ers and other teams. And then finally he said, I don't need to interview you young lady. Uh, You can be an American citizen. (laughs) That was the true story. And then that's how I became an American citizen because I new, like every team, like, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm very passionate about, you know, American football. So That's I thought funny. that was a funny story.
1: That's, That's a, a great
0: story.
1: Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah.
0: I mentioned about the stereotype and yes. every stereotype does have a grain of truth. So for example, I know a lot of autistic people, a lot of autistic my autistic friends are uh-huh. really not in the sports some of them are a lot of them aren't I have one friend in particular who I think of his whole family they're they're into like football and basketball mm-hmm. but especially football and they'll all like gather in the kitchen and watch it yeah. every Sunday and he'll right. sort of just stay in his room even now he was like that as a kid he's still like that as an adult occasionally yeah. he'll come out he'll like hover on the periphery like right outside the kitchen half the time no right. one even knows this is there and then he'll just sort of like Blink away, yeah. And sort of like, and he's the only one in the family that didn't play sports. That wasn't really interested in it, yeah. I know. I know a lot of autistic people like that. So I have two questions. The first is, hmm. what do you think sort of separated you from some of the some other autistic people who really aren't into that?
2: Well, I think there are different ways you can enjoy sports, right? Like I was actually not very good in sports at all when I was in Illinois. Oh, L- neither elementary was I. School. I. However, because I have joint hypermobility, I was a little bit better in gymnastic because I was very flexible. I was, my PE teacher loved me because one, I follow instructions. (laughs) I lived on instructions. You just tell me what to do and I'll do it if I can, right? So I actually uh, did just a tiny bit of gymnastic and I found myself very flexible in the way that my classmates were not able to just you know do it's like bending well I have I've also have double jointed like the way Mm. I stand like aren't people who are double
0: jointed more prone to injuries
2: yes absolutely because you just you could fall like if I walk on something uneven like my ankle would just buckle and I would fall like once a month you know I still fall (laughs) Uh it's embarrassing embarrassing But uh, going back to the stereotype about autistic people in sports, I think to me, um, if an autistic person is into sports watching as their autistic passion, like me, then I would be more likely to push myself. If someone would give me the Warriors ticket, I would totally go because that because. You know, even though it's hard, but uh, it would be totally worth it for me even though I have to recover for a couple of days afterwards. You know what I mean? Same if someone, you know, gives you the ticket to go to Jets game, you would go. You know, 49ers game, let's go, you know. So I think uh, for me, I think it's true that my passion in sports watching That's pretty much, like, that's very important to me. I've had it forever. Uh, I listen to sports radio in, like, pretty much when I'm in the kitchen, when I'm in the car. Uh, There are two stations I listen to, but like, switch back and forth. And then when there's the 49ers game, I can't go to, like, a sports bar and watch it with people because I need space to just do whatever my ki- you could hear my team say, mom, language, mom, <laughs> you know, from the other side of the room. So I just like, look, just give me my space during the game. Just let me do my thing. And uh, yeah, so I look forward towards these events, especially during the seasons that both of my teams are really, really good. Uh, you know, that's everything. I, when I open my eyes in the morning, the- the first thing I think about, I turn on sports radio. And then when my Forty when ers win a game, that's after that, the rituals that I do <laughs> after we win the game, like I'll watch the recordings like three more times, you know, I'll watch it in like, just to learn, pick up something new about it, about the play calling, I would just read the news. On my phone, like I subscribe to the athletics, you know, so it's like to other people, they would say that it's I'm totally overdoing it, probably, but um, I don't feel like that's like that's sports watching sports is like you know, that like a table that's the table. and if you want to share it with me, you have to really understand that. That's just my thing <laughs> that explains your way right
0: yeah, yeah. And everyone has and I'll get to the second part of my question but everyone yeah. has like things they're interested in hobbies and stuff they know right. a lot about so I don't yes. so I don't see it as like especially overdoing it especially by like my standards if you, you don't want you can't be around me during baseball season it sounds like I start like speaking in tongues and stuff like that <laughs> yeah, it, it's totally. bad But the second part of my question, this is actually for both you and Stacy, it's Uh a lot of times parents, they see themselves in their kids and they want their kids to enjoy the things they enjoy. So it can be kind of painful if they're like big into like football or baseball or any sort of sports and their kid just doesn't care and isn't into it. And all their attempts Uh to get their kids into it are met with failure because their kid's just not a sports person. And this question for both of you: how do you deal with that sort of disappointment?
1: So I, I wanna I wanna just point out to the listeners something that you said, Macy, in terms of if someone gave you tickets to go to the Warriors game, you would go, mm-hmm. even though it would yeah. probably be, be a very significant sensory overload, um, yeah, an overwhelming experience. However, yeah. It's worth it, but you do know that you have to recover. And because you are an adult, you have the autonomy to schedule that recovery. What I want our listeners to hear is she is an adult. She has the autonomy to recover. When you bring your children to events that even though they wanted to go to the party, they still need time to recover, even though they had a good time. So I, I wanted to point that out because I think it's important for you know, for parents to know that, you know, a lot of times they're like, oh, you know, they're just a child. They're, you know, they're going to grow out of it. I'm like, no, it is real. And the sensory experience is real. And the difference is adults have autonomy over their schedule and children do not. And so that's why you see that meltdown for three days after, because they didn't get recovery time. And I often use Mm -hmm. the example of Karen Rose when he has his presentations and he says it takes five to six hours for him to recover in a dark room himself um so just wanted to let listeners to to rewind listen to that um and point that out because i Mm -hmm. think it's important um and that's part of shifting the narrative right of not just saying the child is whatever Mm -hmm. we Mm -hmm. say they are so thank you for for sharing insight Um, yeah Your question, Torin, was about what do parents do when they're disappointed their kids? Yeah, that's exactly what my question was. (laughs) So um, I will briefly say in my experience that typically my parents have done one or two things. One, they've tried the all but soccer craze because that's what everyone does, which turns out to be a nightmare. I mean, ADHD, autism, and soccer do not mix. It's just like there's so much sporadic stuff. Um, So typically they'll ask me what's a good sport, right? And so I'll say things that are team sports, but you still individually like tennis and swimming and um, fencing and uh, golf, and you still play on a team. And, but you're kind of like navigating without a bunch of surprises. Um, But uh, maybe Macy has more perspective on um, parents not being happy that their kids are not into (laughs) The sports yeah. specifically dads who right. that's what they talk about. That's their, you know, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term, the dad's special interest, mm-hmm. right? There are many dads yeah. that all they do is sport right. every season, one sport to another, and that's what they do every day. Right. Day. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I think that um there are really
2: different ways to enjoy sports. And I think uh All dads, if they're into sport when they were younger, you know, once they hold their baby boy, that's just like they visualize, oh, I can't wait to take, you know, Johnny to this uh, San Mm -hmm. Francisco Giants ballpark, do this, do that, I think all that. And then with the autism diagnosis, you know, like they just stop dreaming about it uh, as opposed to really. Uh, think about how can I share my passion Mm -hmm. with my autistic son or daughter Mm -hmm. because that's really the beginning of that process just Mm -hmm. like my dad introduced you know watching Muhammad Ali you know I probably wouldn't sit still (laughs) at the beginning you know Mm -hmm. but there are ways that you can connect with another person who doesn't know much about that interest of yours right you don't force that you don't force mm-hmm. the, the 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 child to like stick through a game you know you maybe you can even like today there's so many youtube clips if you're into baseball for example mm-hmm. maybe you want to start with softball mm-hmm. on youtube you know subscribe and point things out you know you can um you know, just introduce it in bits and pieces, mm-hmm. but making it really fun and engaging, right? So I think a lot of parents, they often jump ahead mm-hmm. when their child really, one, doesn't have the interest, also doesn't feel competent mm-hmm. in talking about the baseball, yet anything about baseball, or maybe doing uh, if the child has... Like motor difficulties, mm-hmm. more, look, I I I can't play those sports very well. I, yeah. I I played a little bit of basketball every Friday, and that, that I wasn't really good in actually playing that ba- uh, basketball. Or you know, I I don't definitely don't play football. You know, um, so there are definitely different ways that you can cultivate uh, that or you know, nurture the interests and really develop and cultivate the skills, you know, mm-hmm. whatever that may be, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say you're into golf, for example. <laughs> um, I mean, how do you make it fun? You play in the backyard, for example, mm-hmm. or you 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 uh, ask your ch- son to be your, like, helper, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, carry your bags or you know um, collect the balls so -hmm. different ways right you don't have to really be so rigid and a lot of times when you're making it too difficult Mm -hmm. uh before the person is ready to think to get there that's when it's a deal breaker and it's just you just take the joy out of it for both people Mm -hmm. um so that's what I would say. Yeah, I was, small.
1: Yeah, I just recalled um, years ago, I remember a dad who was into baseball and he was really just kind of frustrated because his expectation was that his son would watch baseball with him. And so, Mm -hmm. and his son wouldn't even wear a baseball cap uh, for such reasons. But I said, listen, what your son likes to do is he loves to organize. He loves to Mm -hmm. um, categorize. I said, why don't you guys start collecting baseball cards together? And that was how they merged dad's love for baseball with their son's Mm -hmm. need to organize and put things in order and Mm -hmm. um, talk about the same thing over and over again from the cards. And it was a win-win. And that was their thing that they did.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I know an autistic uh, person that I worked with forever since he was little and he loved to collect just random objects around the house, but he loved the color orange. So he would have a one corner at a table, and it was usually um marker caps, little things, then he would just put them in order, you know, but they're all orange, right? Mm-hmm. And then he loved wearing in his orange shirt. <laughs> he wore it every day. And but they used to live in the Bay Area and mm-hmm the whole family really loved San Francisco Giants. So that's mm-hmm. how he got into the mindset. Oh, it's orange. The color is the color uniform. <laughs> you know, the giant you uniform. know. For, for
0: I, those who don't I'm know,
2: going the, now, for
0: but, those that don't know the San Francisco Giants, their color is orange and black. So uh, his love yes. of orange ended up working out because everything perfect. that's Giants yes. theme is orange.
2: Perfect. Exactly. There you go. That's a perfect example. Mm-hmm. How you actually nurture you. Mm-hmm. You gotta meet the person halfway, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And whatever that may be, even though at the beginning you don't really understand why, what's the purpose of this collection, mm-hmm. you know? But it may at some point cross over with your passion or the family interest, you know. And sometimes I think, it, and it takes time to understand that to nurture that, right? It doesn't happen overnight. So, uh, yeah, so I think my advice for parents would be to really pay attention to what comes natural to autistic kids. Hmm. Uh, If they have a lot of energy, they're usually very fidgety and um, just high level of energy, you know, that maybe could be shared. You also love to go jogging or you love to run, right? Uh, maybe you could do that together, you know, but the way to nurture it is not to force to jog for uh, long ways, but just start very, very small. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you might even just start with just going out for a walk together, mm-hmm. you know, and taking pictures around the neighborhood, for example. Uh, that's how you do it. I, I know of an autistic runner. He's a professional runner. He's the non-speaking Um, professional runner he's he ran the Boston Marathon twice so his mom told me that well because he always he just couldn't he didn't like to be still or to sit down so we just decided we're just gonna go outdoor all the time and run and then mom realized once he ran he would just keep Mm -hmm. running (laughs) <laughs> um not stop like forrest gum not like forrest gum and run forrest <laughs> run exactly yes so that was actually something that they had to work mm-hmm. to like how do we teach him to take breaks mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. you run long distance and also mm-hmm. know the mile marker that you have to stop and check in mm-hmm. you know so they eventually they figured it out and he he's totally into it now it's just part of his day it's part of if he's got a big event, he trains. Mm-hmm. He just ran one hundred miles in <laughs> less than two days. That was his recent event. It was incredible. Like I don't I
0: mean that's that that's that is that's some like ultra marathon stuff. I I could never do that.
2: No. <laughs> I tried and my knees just balloon up. <laughs> oh yeah, my, my, my knees are made of peanut brittle, so I <laughs> try my doctor just laughed at me.
0: Yeah. Well, one of, one of the things I want to touch on is uh-huh. you mentioned how, we're talking about how we're getting kids in the sport. So you have two right. kids. Are they both, are both your kids are neurodivergent, right? Yes. So have you had any luck getting them into, into the Giants and the 49ers? So...
2: No, probably because I'm overly enthusiastic and I probably scare them off. Like, but they would totally go to a game with me, for example. But my daughter uh, takes badminton at school, so that's super fun. And my son plays baseball. Baseball is his thing. Uh,
0: nice. What what yeah. position so, is he?
2: Oh my gosh, I. Don't know, I don't remember the names of the position um I will have he has told me, but I forgot right now I'm having a brain fog. Right now. <laughs> I'll ask him once he's done. oh, I know what I' just text him right now what <laughs> position I know he's double screening over there in the other room playing uh
1: his games what the wonderful um texting uh-huh. yeah this whole, this whole thing is me. getting
0: edited out so it's going to sound this is i'm going to edit this so it's going to sound like text him and he responded instantly yeah <laughs> uh-huh. i love it. love it love it yeah
2: yeah so let's see yeah so he they my daughter doesn't really uh like to play sports that much she was very much like me when i was her age, Uh, we just like to, I like to watch sports, but she doesn't really like to, she doesn't watch any sports on TV at all, you know, but I just take their lead basically, you Mm. know, whatever they want to do. I go to their game again, going to baseball game, my son's baseball game. That was difficult, like physically difficult for me because bright sunlight triggers migraine for me, but I would not miss that. Mm. You know what I mean? So uh, so my son and I actually bond through a sports talk. Like if if the Giants has a new player or we're we're looking to uh, you know to add some play, he will will just go back and forth. He'll come mm-hmm. running, mom, guess what? You know? <laughs> so yeah, he, he actually is a, a big fan of the Commanders, Washington Commanders.
0: So yeah, I'm really glad they team. changed that name. Right. Yeah. They, the, the, their previous name was uh, a little race on the racist side, let's mm-hmm. just say.
2: Yeah. yeah, so they changed that, but they're going to be hiring, I think, the defensive coordinator from Kansas City Chiefs, so he was like super excited. Maybe not exactly that position, but someone from the Kansas City uh now, geez, that's so. usually
0: how it goes Usually starts with defensive yeah. you go from like a def- uh a defensive or offense coordinator to become a head coach that's probably the case
2: yeah that's what happened with your coach robert sala yeah with- he was
0: defensive and yeah. now what they're doing um, is the jets are hiring all the like worst coaches in the league so they can just perpetually be crappy really yeah it just
2: takes time torn it's just like they haven't won a soup Bowl since
0: 1969. It's, been, it's not happening.
2: L- look at the 49ers. We came so close, but it's just we're, we're never there because of the injuries. It's so weird. But yeah.
0: Anyway, my yeah. Uh, this whole thing is getting edited out. All the all this when well, we just <laughs> whole thing is getting edited. Um, I, <laughs> you mentioned so you mentioned your son plays baseball. Your daughter plays badminton. Do you uh-huh. think playing sports has any benefit for autistic or neurodivergent kids?
2: Yes, absolutely. I think not just sports, just but I think um, making the time to regulate through movements, whether you're dancing to a song or just you were walking around the block, uh, I think that's really helpful. Um, you know, as far as... Uh, seriously participating or being passionate about sports I think that's that's great for autistic people if they're into it you know what I mean so uh I I I think sports should never be forced you know there are different ways to enjoy it um that's how what I believe is the best way for autistic uh people to To just think about it as a way to regroup and reset, you know, like a healthy activity to do. You could do it in the garage with a, you know, (laughs) that's what we have. We have the setup in the garage (laughs) Ah. to lift weights and our our stationary bike is there. Oh, I'm so
0: jealous. I I wish we had that. My garage is just filled with, like, stuff from, like, the 1980s. It's not even my (laughs) stuff. It's my aunt's stuff. Like the stuff in the garage is older than I am, but um. So we
2: I, need to have a garage sale first, Jordan.
0: Yes, we really do, <laughs> and we'll, we'll probably get to that in like a decade.
2: Yeah,
0: which means oh. never. Which means never. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad you brought that up about self regulation and movements. I never thought of it that way. When I think of the mm. benefits of autism and sports, obviously I think of myself because I'm a narcissist. That that was just ah. people. Not really, it wasn't really a joke. Anyway, I... <laughs> I play, so I played uh, baseball and soccer. And uh-huh. the important thing about, in high school I did. And the important thing about wait, this wait. is, I sucked. Like <laughs> I, was, I was the worst player on the team, but it was such uh-huh. an enlightening experience because mm-hmm. I noticed there were some kids who were super talented, who didn't work hard. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. like I did everything I could just to make the team. And it was such a valuable lesson as an autistic person. Like, oh God, I'm just going to have to outwork everybody. Like, I'm just going to have to work twice as hard to get half the results. And that sucks. But if I want this, this is what it takes. And Mm -hmm. that sort of work ethic and understanding your abilities is something that I, that I use today. It's the basis of why I'm, I can do what I can do and how I've been able to overcome so many things that I wouldn't have had that if I didn't play sports. That's
2: true. I think sports is uh, can be very useful for autistic people because there is that underlying pattern of sender receiver. And I think that's why I love watching sports because it's like... I love to decode the like what's the pattern, you know. I mean, really, when you think about it, there's that the there's always a ball usually, and it goes that back and forth, right? It's like human interactions and having a conversation. It's like it, it goes back and forth. It's full of imperfections, though. However,
0: I know that's why I love. Right? I love that part right. though.
2: Exactly, like the coach can design play calls, whatever sports you know, uh that may be, but then it really depends on other variables, unpredictable variables. So I love watching, you know, after the game when uh people actually draw, Oh, this is what happened, he moved over here and this. I love that. That fascinates me because
0: I love that. <laughs> that
2: game, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. And then uh, baseball the calling
0: and then baseball in particular, I guess that's my favorite because it's probably the most autistic sport because it's all numbers. Yeah. It's all right. like batting average and OPS right. and WRC plus and And in the last few years has been even more stats because that's where all the nerds right. go. Right. So it's a very like yeah. highbrow intellectual sport. So I feel like right. you probably see the most autistic people who are in the baseball just because it's concrete. Yes. You can track it, you can predict things. Yes.
2: And actually, uh, my son told me that the reason that he loved, or he chose baseball, because we tried other types of sports when he was younger, uh, because baseball gave was he gave him enough time to process the information, mm-hmm. as opposed to basketball. It just you have to be on it, like you you need mm-hmm. to be focused. You need to monitor for other, you know. Uh, teammates you know Mm -hmm. it goes it doesn't stop right yeah baseball is very chill however for me because of my ADHD brain baseball is very slow yeah I just can't it I just it's gonna get better this year
0: it's gonna get better this year because they're fixing the rules to make it move faster really yeah like they're (laughs) limiting you have to throw a pitch every 15 seconds and you can't throw over the first a million times anymore and things like that so they're actually fixing yeah. <laughs> it to make it, in my opinion, more neurodiverse friendly because it it's going to move quicker, but not so quick that it's just all coming at you at once.
2: I know what they're doing, Torren. They're they're hoping that they can appeal. Yep. To the younger generation because uh, the younger gener they're not into baseball at oh, all. That makes
1: so much.
0: That makes sense. sense. But Stacy, oh
1: you, you have a question. I. I. I Could not do baseball. I mean, I had my kids and said no baseball, and their dad said no soccer. And I said, good, we got to pack. Anything else is all go. So I wanted to you. um, I wanted to follow up with something that you said, Macy. In terms Uh of you like you have a perspective of watching patterns, right? And so I am a huge. um, What is the word I would use? I don't want to say advocate, but maybe advocate, but I'm a huge, like embracing kids who love patterns, right? Because I always say, oh, that could be a kiddo that could, you know, kiddo lining things up. That could be a kid that could um, be able to hyper-focus on things and find a DNA, um, you know, for a cure for a disease or be able to, Mm -hmm. you know, find something like, you know, someone who has that perspective and I've had my students Mm -hmm. share with me. So, I, I, I'd I love for you to to give a little bit more insight if you can, because I want listeners and a lot of our parents who are listening, sometimes it's hard for me to explain to them, I'm like, oh, they're just watching the pattern of the leaf and counting how many seconds before the light shines on it, right? Like that's what my students are told <laughs> yeah, me they're yeah, doing. Yeah. And so it's hard for the parents who are not autistic to understand right. what. <laughs> so if you could shed some light on the pattern and, and I mean, the fact that it connects to sports is, is a a great insight for me. Um, it's like ping pong. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, it's patterns and systems basically. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh,
2: so I think specifically in sports, you, every player actually has a role, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, And it's just like, it's so amazing when the play call or just spontaneous play, when they come together and the ball goes into the basket, (laughs) you know, at the right time and so on, right? That's like when you're having a conversation and you're trying to share a funny story, uh, you know, but the timing has to be right for the punchline. It's like (laughs) that, right? No, no, it's like, yeah. it's true. Now, I think conversations, uh, especially if it's more than two people, is very, um, well, I think for me, it's very hard because mm-hmm. we tend to overthink, Yeah, you know what I mean? And then by the time the words leave my mouth, the timing is gone, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think when you watch boxing was a little bit different. I think, uh, I'm sure there's like certain specific ways that a boxer would, you know, they have to follow certain rules and and there are also rules Mm -hmm. in sports that I think for autistic people, that's fascinating Mm -hmm. because we, we we like to know that we would like to know the role Mm -hmm. because that gives us safety and that gives us predictability
0: mm-hmm.
2: and that's why we love some of us are sports nerds mm-hmm. because like i have number dyslexia calcula, and the only way that you can get me talk a little bit about numbers when it comes to statistics about my two teams for example um so i think that's the underlying patterns and when you think about how we humans function it, we rely on that sense of familiarity, right? Mm-hmm. So when you think about it, cooking activities, grocery shopping, organizing, it's actually a pattern of moving one object from one spot to another when you think about it, right? Mm-hmm. That's the underlying pattern. But it's very dynamic. Mm-hmm. Like you you when you go to the grocery store, for example, there are certain rituals that everyone does where you, hopefully you'll. Put make a list on your phone or on a piece of paper and then you go. And then if it's a familiar store, you'll know exactly sort of which aisle you need to go, right? But there are variables in there. You know, the variables would be, you know, uh, like special pricing for watermelons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever you know, Those are variables. Mm-hmm. And then you have to stop and make decisions, mm-hmm. for example. But, you're not afraid to go to the store because it's something that you do quite often. So it's very familiar to you. But for autistic people, there are variables that are beyond our control, of course, mm-hmm. because it depends on our bandwidth in that moment. And autistic, autistic people often, if they're in the sensory burnout mode, you know, mm-hmm. we just start the day with very little energy meter. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to feed your kids if you're a mom and you have to go to the grocery store. So it's often very confusing and I get mm-hmm. very, very dizzy actually. Um, and even though, imagine if you don't have that kind of pattern or understanding that it's you have the muscle memory and, and you go to the same store already, it would be very difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, That's a trigger for a, a, a sensory like overload. Mm-hmm. like a down in the store right because it's just you you're not able to physically finish the mm-hmm. activity but you have to mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean so yeah so it's when like- you think about sports and act- like daily activities there is that mm-hmm. that pattern
1: mm-hmm. yeah it, it's funny that you say that in the grocery store because uh, one of the grocery stores that I frequent, and you're right. I mean, I, I have, I'm not everyone does this. I've seen the way people shop, and it's very disturbing. But everybody can shop <laughs> how they want. Um, I have rituals around my shopping, and I enjoy it, yes. and I love the grocery store. And so, um, it, it, it is uh, very, very disruptive when they decide to revamp the grocery store and you're like okay wait, wait, wait like this is not where the spaghetti is like now i can't find yeah. the spaghetti so this grocery store that i frequent which is one of my favorite grocery stores it's a very large grocery store there was a 4 week period where i swear i think everyone was having a mini meltdown and wandering around like mm-hmm. not knowing what to do like so confused yeah. and i thought this is how our students feel when their visual schedules yeah. up um because it yeah. was just it was chaotic. Everyone was very frustrated, very confused. And um, I think I use it yeah. as an example in a, uh, a coaching session, but uh, it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, that predictability, it makes it more efficient. You know how to get your stuff done. You know, you're going to be out on time, right? Whatever it is that you're depending on. But when that grocery store, yeah, yeah grocery stores changed, it's like, why
2: yeah well because they want you to walk oh yes
1: yes through
2: every yes. corner of the yes. store because then course. you buy more mm-hmm. you know costco
1: does that all the time of course they do of course they do
0: yeah that's yeah i, yeah. I think everyone hates that that's like a universal because even my aunt complains whenever they move mm-hmm. stuff because we have costco but we also have a thing called bjs which is like mm-hmm. costco mm-hmm. like sam's club mm-hmm. That's sort of the big one in like the in like the New York area. And they every mm-hmm. few months they'll just rearrange stuff. Just just, yeah. just to screw with people mm-hmm. for no other reason, but we, we just want to make your life harder. <laughs> but speaking of yeah. the annoyance of things moving quickly and people crowding yeah. and wandering around, you yeah. you mentioned earlier about going to actual sporting events. What is your right. experience with taking children, or taking your children to be precise, to different sort of sporting events, because that can be difficult because of the crowd, because of the noise. It, yeah. it, where I'm from, public transit. It's like, right. if you want to go to like a Mets game or a Yankees game, you take a mm-hmm. train that is so packed, you can barely breathe. You then get yeah. funneled into, there's one entrance. The stop, that the, the, the right. train stop next to uh Citi right. Field where the Mets play has one entrance. Right. Which causes a human bottleneck. It's the dumbest design ever. So there's this human bottleneck of, that just moves very slowly and it's very uncomfortable, then sort of fans out around the ballpark. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with some? Because every stadium has similar issues. So how do you deal with some of those issues so, when you have autistic? Yeah.
2: Issues? And I'm that's ask, a re. That's a re. I'm sorry. Are you done? It's, yeah, sorry it's about like that. My mind is racing faster. <laughs> 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 I don't mean to interrupt because, but I did interrupt because I was scared that I would lose my train of thought. That's why. (laughs) Okay, focus. Um, I was gonna say this. I was gonna say when it's when a family is preparing for a big event, before you actually purchase the ticket, you have to ask your norther family member do you want to go Mm -hmm. that's the first question because um if the person doesn't want to go i think Mm -hmm. you should honor it and not force the person to go yep that would be my advice because uh i don't think it's fair i mean like if, if you're if if going through that event would cost your uh would cost your physical health mental health emotional health you know for a week after does can you can that person afford to have a week off mm-hmm. or have an easier you know what I mean so um if the person can't I won't force mm-hmm. the person I mean unless the venue if there's I like instead of taking the t- train then you take the car the car the car will be simpler and quieter right mm-hmm. so you have to be prepared and i would work with your autistic family member to do that what would if you want to go mm-hmm. what how can we support you and make this experience mm-hmm. um slightly easier yeah for you I would say for me, and for me, don't make me drive because driving takes so much out of me. So if I have to drive to, you know, that it's just going to take, it's going to steal my bandwidth more, right? So really empower the autistic family member to, you know, to voice. I think Mm -hmm. this is my preference to get there. And once I get there, this is the plan. You know, Mm I have to have popcorn example you Mm -hmm. better make sure you buy popcorn (laughs) this is an example or you but bring the whatever familiar snacks yeah Yeah, your child needs certain comforting or comfort blankie bring Mm -hmm. the blankie to the game why not who cares right
1: i will i will say that i don't like sports and the few times i have gone to sporting events It is only because I have been guaranteed access to as much beer and nachos as I would like. Um, Uh And when I go to Super Bowl parties, it's usually because of the good food in New Orleans. And I typically bring a book to read. So that is how I support my sporting event that I'm not interested in because I just don't like sports. I really wish I did make my life so much easier, but
2: but th- there are sports venues that are certified as autism-friendly. Memphis mm-hmm. Grizzly is one of those venues. Uh, you A can find C-City out. City
0: Field one of those, the Met Stadium. They, mm-hmm. They're they big on like autism comfort and stuff like that. Mm-hmm.
2: Nice. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm assuming Arizona Cardinals because uh, I think Arizona is... I think, supposed to be autism-friendly mm-hmm. certified. That's what I hear. Um, Arizona yeah, has so, services
1: across the state. Right, mm-hmm.
2: right, right, right.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so find out all that. I think do your homework ahead of time. And at the end of the day, I think it's it's really up to the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully you can go as a family, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know?
1: and go to the uh, website a lot of places yeah, yeah. You know, amusement parks and sports they have social stories already made to help mm-hmm. um to prepare for it i've seen lots of social stories that are being made for um mm-hmm. for our
0: kiddos for those kind of venues so i think that's a good place to sort of bring this in that's why we're working to shift the narrative on everything autism see ya